This is the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab number 164. A quick note before the show gets going. John and I recorded this from my hotel room here at New Media Expo. And we were using a microphone here that was in audio hijack set up for one person to be talking into it. And, of course, we had two of us. So the noise gate on it gets a little clicky at times as uh, we fall further away from the mic than a person normally would be. Our apologies for that. I've done my best to smooth it out, and I think it's actually okay. So I just wanted you to be aware that we are aware and have done our best to get the show in a format that uh, you folks can all listen to. So enough with that. On with the show. The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab number 164 for Friday, August 15th, 2008. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab. I'm Dave Hamilton. He's John Braun. And, yeah. and we're in Vegas. We are using the... We're in the Hilton Hotel. We're this week at New Media Expo, and uh, we're on the Road Podcaster, which is uh, the mic of choice that, for me anyway, traveling these days, and uh, so it means that John and I have to move back and forth to get in front of the mic, but hopefully the sound is nice and clear, and we will move on. So uh, we're here at New Media Expo. John, you've, you've actually spent more time on the show floor so far than I have, so why don't you go through and, uh, and talk about a couple of the funner things you've seen cool okay so first off boy it is hotter than redfish bone i am sorry he would melt here if anybody knows what we're talking about if they do tell us we don't know you can't find anything about it on the internet which i thought the internet was the source of all knowledge and wisdom um anyway so yeah um on the show floor um it was about the same size as last year and um and i was pleasantly surprised there there seems to be Enough new stuff, uh, at least to make me happy. And uh, I saw a few things uh, I'll just mention here that caught my eye. Um, I don't know. Well, you know, I'm going to bring up one thing here. This may have people shaking their fist immediately here. but um, Now, some people may shake their fist here, but, uh, but I saw some folks on the show floor that uh, I, I don't think they've been here before, but it was the Zoom people. Zoom as in, as in Microsoft? Yes. The Zune group, and you know, I got to say, now from what I understand, I, I used an early version of the Zune, and uh, I think it was kind of rough. But um, looking at their package, the um, device itself looks very nice. The device itself has some features that are missing on the iPod, like one of the more notable ones that I think is cool is Wi-Fi for syncing and stuff like that. And I think their software is a little less cluttered. I, uh, one of their guys brought me through their software. Um, you know, we were able to add Mac Geekab, no problem. You know, it, it picked up the MP3 feed. I think they, they pre-cached some of this stuff here on their servers. Um, it didn't pick up our AAC, so maybe that's one thing. Um, he, he claimed they could do AAC. Um, but no, it was, um, did you have something, David? Yeah, I, I wonder if they could do enhanced AAC. I mean, they might be able to do AAC as yeah. a, as a audio codec, but I, I wonder if it supports the enhanced stuff. Yeah, so maybe, but but they do pick up MP3 now. Of course, it's only you still have this division. It's only for Windows, but um, so um, this may you know interest some of our audience. But but the the thing that you know you can Wi-Fi that's cool because I, I thought the, the the iPod would have had that by now because they have a feature already where you can share songs among people. So here you could share podcasts among different people. I think that's pretty neat, and that kind of kind of slides into um, 
think this is a good way to slide into one thing that I think both you and I noticed here, Dave. Maybe you want to pick up on this. But I would say the overriding theme of the show this year here is community. So one aspect, of course, is, is being able to share things um, with your friends, which you know, right now is, is uh, you know, a bit more cumbersome with the iPod. But um, especially the keynote, I think that that was the, the theme of the keynote, which uh, I thought was a hoot. Mm-hmm. And who was that guy? Again? Yeah, Gary, Gary Vaynerchuk from uh, Wine Library. He, uh, he, he gave the keynote. And of course, he's, you know, he's a uh, classic, hyperactive New Yorker, and, uh, but very, very entertaining to watch and, and, and did. Yeah, the, for me, the whole theme of this show is, is community, uh, you know, keeping in touch with, with the audience. It's very much uh, a show where there's a lot of podcasters uh, and people in this industry just talking to each other and kind of sharing all of our, our ideas and, and thoughts. So... So that, that's very much the idea. And, and you're right. You know, it's interesting, though, because the iPod, at least the iPod Touch and the iPhone, which falls into the iPod family, does have Wi-Fi, but you can't do any of the things you just talked about using it. So that's... Yet. 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 That's right. So that was one thing. Now, another, um, another thing that I saw, and I think, again, this gets in the sense of community here, um, there's a site that I think is fairly new, and it's allvoices.com. What is allvoices.com, you ask? You're just a <laughs> I asked that, yes. <laughs> well, I think you just also turned on the AC. Yeah. Like we said here, it's hot. Um, now here's the concept of all voices. Now, you, you have right now your mainstream media, you know, your big media outlets, which um, I don't know about you, Dave, but I think sometimes they may have an agenda other than reporting the news. I think anyone who reports the news has an agenda. Anyone. And, and so you need to read the news with that agenda. Now, the nice part uh, about, you know, you pick what, pick what you're going to read. But I, I, there's a good part about what you're about to talk, talk about. So, so I'll let you take it. Right. So I guess what I'm saying is maybe it's a conflict of interest. I mean, not that I want to pick on these guys, but I will. So you have, you know, NBC and GE, okay? They're, they're, they have a relationship. The news portion may not want to report something that may conflict with, you know, for example, the, the, their defense group. Just one example here. So, so I can definitely see a conflict of interest with mainstream media because a lot of them are big companies and, and they, they, they just have their, their fingers in a lot of pies. Um, the concept of all voices is that, um, kind of like podcasting, but, but to a whole other level, is that this is user-contributed news. So what they encourage you to do is that you, you get an account and you can provide text pictures, you can provide movies, and you provide the location, and actually when you start it up, it'll show you a map. You, you can search by area, you know, Middle East, Europe, stuff like that, but it, it'll also show you a map with uh, what I think are, you know, the hot stories. And you can zoom in on them, you know, the map zooms in, I, I gather they're tying into Google or something like that, Google Maps. Um, but you get the data straight from the horse's mouth. And, and I already do this to a certain extent. I mean, I will go to blogs, some of them are kind of offbeat, but they report news that you are not going to find from the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal or any other mainstream outlet, which, again, I think sometimes have an agenda. So I think that this is just a really powerful tool is, is user-generated um, news. You've got to take it with a grain of salt because people also have agendas, individuals. So, uh, but I think you know, the, the best thing is you get as much data as you want from as many sources, and you make up your mind what the truth is. But, but especially because they allow it. And you know, we've been seeing a lot of this now, um, videos. Um, that are very powerful. Like, actually, you know, I've, I've seen a couple, um, not to pick on law enforcement too much, but there have been a couple of videos that have shown clearly what 
the law enforcement said, like, I, I don't know if you saw this one, but it was basically, there's this group that ride their bicycles through big cities as some sort of protest. And they had a case where it was clear. It was a New York City cop. He pushed. He, he like, body-checked. I think he was a former football player. He body-checked this bicyclist, and then he claimed the bicyclist was aiming at him. The video clearly showed that was not the case. So it's a very powerful tool to, get, to find the real story. Now, All Voices does, uh, in addition to just text, they also do pictures and videos. That, yes. Is that where this is going? Okay. Cool. Yeah. So we're talking whatever you know, whatever means are available to the people submitting the news. Um, and actually, the uh, the founder she was showing me, I guess she was recently over in uh, in Pakistan, um, covering some of the, some of the action over there. And I guess you know there there are certain parts of the world where being female and being in the wrong place may be kind of risky. So I, I give her um, I give her a lot of credit. So uh, from what I can tell, they're um, you know I think they're privately funded right now. So because uh, I was like, well, how are you making your money? And it sounds like at, at this point they they're really doing this just do the right thing and to provide this platform for people to, to report what they see. So that, that was one of the cooler things because it, it wasn't clear walking up to the booth, what the heck do these guys do? But once they showed me, it, it was really, very really powerful. So I encourage, of course, we'll link to it, but you know, allvoices.com, check them out. I, I think you'll enjoy it. Cool. That's awesome. Any, uh, anything else or, or you, okay, we have something else. Here we go. Uh, we got, we got a few things. Um, probably wrap up with this. Uh, our, our friends at you send it. So they have a new, um, a new platform here, uh, something called site drop. So what this does, I'm, I'm actually, I haven't actually tried it, but from what I can gather, this gives you, a, now for people that don't know, you send it is a platform that lets you send large files, basically using web protocols. So email, the problem with email is that it really is not meant for sending large files. Um, you send it uses a combination of web browser technology, HTTP or HTTPS, secure HTTP, and email notifications to let someone know. What these guys are doing is now, so they have a feature where you can... Um, embed the functionality in your website. So if you want people to be able to upload big monster files to you, they don't even need an FTP client or, or like the you send it client, which has, you know, its own benefits. I think that's pretty neat because we're getting into an age, you know, with uh, video files and to a lesser extent audio files where they're not, you're not going to make them an email attachment. It's, it just wasn't, it was never meant to do that. So that's neat. And then they, they have a bunch of plugins, um, you know, Final Cut, Photoshop, Paper. They have a few uh, new ones. Um, I, don't, I don't know which are, are new off the top of my head. I think they had a, an Office one in beta. Um, I actually use Outlook. They have an Outlook because um, we just you know, did that 9 to 5 where right within Outlook, if you try to send a big monster file, it'll come up and say, hey, would you like to use you send it for this? Very nice. So uh, these guys are cool, and they, they, they really make it easy to send uh, you know, a lot of data um, to people very easily. And here, again, to just submit it. You just put it on your website. I guess it's just you know, a little piece of code. And there you go. Awesome. Wow, that's cool. I, I, I can, I, that, as you were telling me about that, I'm thinking, okay, we can do something like this for the show. Maybe there is an opportunity to have a link on the website where people can send in audio comments that way, and then it just gets blasted to us, and we're totally good to go. So. Yeah, we'll talk, we'll talk to anybody. Yeah, that's, that's great. All right. Uh, you have a uh, any, anything else from the show floor? I, you know, I saw Wiretap Anywhere from Ambrosia, and I want to talk to him more about this. But uh, but essentially, what this does is for anybody on a Mac recording audio, a lot of times it, it's sort of quirky getting audio from multiple sources into your recording application, and uh, and so you can you can go through and pull any audio source, add effects to it, and route it to any one of a number of audio applications. So you can actually go, you know, one to multiple or one to one or 
however you want to do it. Uh, it, it's a, it's a kind of a flexible intermediary, very flexible, very powerful, uh, kind of thing. And so it was very cool to see them come out with that. I, I can't wait to, uh, to play with it more and, and, uh, and get my, get my demo later today, but we'll, we'll probably talk about that again on a, on a future show, but I did want to mention it. If you're at all interested in the audio space, go ahead and check that out now. Uh, very, very, very cool stuff that they're working on. Now, I think that actually, because didn't we have a quote? Was it Stacy? Um, yeah, that's right. Who had a question? And actually, um, yeah, I guess at the time, you know, um, this this product was not public. So, um, you know, there, there was no solution that, that, that I knew of. But um, actually, I ran into the Ambrosia guys, you know, at the, um, uh, you know, before the show started and said, hey, you know, we had a, a caller, listener, reader, whatever, um, have this problem. And what what's the deal? Why can't GarageBand and things? And he was like, oh, well. Matter of fact, we have this. So, so uh, my guess is it was a, a driver issue. I was incorrect. It's a application issue. Some applications can cut it, um, and GarageBand, at least at this point in time, can't understand multiple instances of the same uh, audio device. Right. That's right. Yeah. So you could for for Stacy's question from last week. That's right. It, she wanted to pull two of the same microphones into GarageBand. And and this may do it. Uh, again, it depends on how the system is seeing. Uh, if the system is seeing it as two separate devices, then this probably will help. If the system, for whatever reason, is tying it as one, then you're right, John. That's a driver issue, and there's no, no piece of software other than a new driver is going to change that. So, okay. All right. I want to tell you about our first sponsor for the show, and it's actually. Uh, a new sponsor, the company is Circus Ponies, and they have a product called Notebook. Now, what Notebook does is it allows you to create, allows you to organize information for a variety of different things. When you open up Notebook, you create a, a, a notebook for a particular purpose, and it could be anything from a grocery list to uh, a project that you need to organize for work and really anything in between. Uh, very flexible. It starts everything off in outline mode, and and then you can add all sorts of different pieces of uh, of media to it. So you can add images in, you can add uh, you know text, PDFs, and pull it all together and have just one notebook of everything you need for this one project. And then you can have multiple notebooks for a lot of different things. They have version 2.0, sorry, yeah, version 2.1, I believe, is out right now. At the end of August, version 3.0 comes out. Version 2.0 is $49.95, and anyone that buys it now will get a free upgrade to version 3.0. Version 3.0, when it comes out, will be $69.95, so you save 20 bucks by doing it now. Version 3.0 has a whole different uh, contents card for a very quick navigation through. They've, they've, they've refined this with, with a the scroll bar, they've added diagramming. So if you have an idea and, and you know, a, a kind of a flow chart or even just a loose diagram, totally built into Notebook. And again, if you buy 2.0 now, you'll get this uh, with 3.0. Another new feature in 3.0, handwriting recognition. So if you're a tablet user, you can just scribble something on the, on the tablet and it'll tie in, pull the, uh, the text out, and you can also sketch either with a tablet or even with... Uh, I think you can probably even do it with the mouse. In fact, it, it says right here you can. So this is from Circus Ponies at CircusPonies.com, and it's a, it's a notebook, and it's not an app I have used, but as I was going through using it, uh, prepping for the show, I, 
instantly, you know, started thinking, okay, there's lots of things I can do with this and, uh, and may even try using it to, to create show notes for, for the geek gab, because again, you know, that whole outline flow for something like this might make sense. So notebook 3.0 coming soon from circus ponies. You can get 2.1 now at circusponies.com. And should we, uh, should we go to Raphael's question, John? We will. We can. I, I had. I had a... You have one, one other thing from the show you want to talk about? Well, one as an item and then one maybe a philosophical thing. Maybe we could just, just go past it really quick. I don't know. But, um, but one thing I saw that was very cool. So MXL, these guys make a bunch of different mics here. And they introduced several new mics. You can go to the site and you'll see a short article I did on, on some of the newer mics. But the one that caught my attention is called the MXL Genesis. The cool thing about it, it's got a tube, a vacuum tube. Now... For some of our um, younger listeners, you, you may not know what the heck a vacuum tube is. Ah. Um, think what, what the technology before transistors was a vacuum tube, but they, they had their limitations. But they also had, and that's why they use it in this microphone, the nice thing about vacuum tubes um, is that it's, a, it, it's an analog technology. There are just some things you know, in this digital world with transistors and, uh, and things where you're just not going to get the same audio quality. And I think Dave could speak to this in that Especially in the audio world, a tube amp just has characteristics that you are never going to duplicate in a, in a digital piece of equipment. Yeah, what happens is is you get some what they what they call tube compression. So as the signal runs through the tube, as more signal runs through, it it starts it starts to round off. Now with digital, you you, you it's exactly the same up until a point where it completely distorts a hundred percent, and and you'll hear that buzzing and and that that sound that's kind of grating and and not so good. Uh, with a tube. That you will, you can get to that point where it's fully distorted, and you know people like Jimi Hendrix uh, pioneered that, right? But uh, with the guitar, anyway. But but there is a there there is a slow build to that, and you get a really nice smooth round off uh, with a with a tube preamp. And so they've, I think what they've done is they put a tube preamp between the element, and then the, there's a digital converter in it, right? Because it's a USB mic, is that right? Yeah. So so it's kind of all in one. Instead of buying a microphone, a tube preamp, and uh, like a USB, you know, to audio box. It's all in one. Got everything right in, right inside the mic. The element, the tube preamp, the digital converter, all out to a USB cable. Boom! Plug it into your Mac. And what was the what was the price on that? I think it was. Um, first off, I, I don't know if it's USB. We we could check the site and see okay. if it's there. But um, but yeah, five ninety five. Which uh, for for the class I'm making, I mean, it has some pretty impressive specs as far as um, you know the uh, you know the frequency range and things like that. Let's see, we're checking it out. No, I do not no. think that's USB. Yeah, so it's a, it's a standard mic there. But, but anyways, tubes, welcome back. <laughs> okay, so you'd need, you'd need the USB box, but you do not need the tube preamp with it. it that's built in. Interesting. Okay. And, and then the only thing I want to comment on was the, was the character of the show here. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Um, my feel, so, so Ontario, California... You know, I mean, until until they had the show there, I had never heard of Ontario, California, and and what a horribly just Ontario, comma C A is that California or Canada? And and lots of people have made that mistake. Um, whereas the character of the show last time, because there was you know a headquarters hotel and the convention center right next to each other, and there was a limited number of places, I got a better sense of community in that there was only so many places you could go to run into the people that were 
part of the show. I mean, sometimes, you know, there are a few restaurants where, you know, you're walking on the sidewalk and you may run into people. But for the most part, a lot of the action all happened in one place. Now, here, I mean, Vegas is like the total opposite. I mean, Vegas is huge. I mean, there's stuff to do everywhere. And it's like sensory overload. I mean, you come in the hotel and there's, you know, a huge casino there with, you know, bells and lights. And I, I mean, it's, I don't know if I could live here. Um, <laughs> it takes a different state of mind or a different frame of mind, rather. Yeah, so, so I think something was lost due, due to the, the, you don't have, you know, as tight a physical space. Um, on the other hand, you made a good point, Dave, is that I think technology, which I haven't yet got on board with some of it, uh, can kind of step in and, and take care of that in the virtual space. It, it totally, yeah. So it, it was funny because at breakfast this morning, we, were, we had this conversation and John was, was saying exactly what he just said. And I said, well, okay, yeah, you know, I totally see that. Vegas is huge. Yes, the, the show is at the Expo Center, and we're staying at the Hilton, where most people are staying, because this is where they had kind of a hotel deal. Uh, so you will run into people here in the, in the Hilton lobby, but even the Hilton in and of itself is gargantuan. And then, as John said, there's, you know, jillions of other hotels up and down the strip here. But, uh, you know, when he said that, I thought, well, huh, you know, because thinking about it, last night, I know where everyone was, and the reason I know where everyone was is because I subscribe to the Twitter feeds of all the people that I want to know, and then other people subscribe to mine, and we can message each other and, and just or just get a, you know, a, a, looking at the Twitter streams, you can get a real feel for where everybody is. And, and it, you heard me talk about this after South by Southwest uh, this year, and it, Twitter is actually, I found it valuable during the you know, days when I'm in the office, but it's extremely valuable for me here at a trade show for exactly that reason. I can learn what's going on. And even during the show, you watch the Twitter streams of, of your friends and colleagues, and you might be in a set, and this, this has not happened here. It did happen at South by Southwest, but you watch the Twitter streams, and you, know, you might be in a session, and you're thinking, gosh, this session, it, it kind of blows. Uh, I wonder what everybody else is up to. You get bored, you start looking at Twitter, and then you see somebody that says, oh, I'm in room you know, uh, 102, and the session here is killer. And so you pack up and you head to room 102 and, you know, you've only invested 10 minutes in, in a session. Otherwise, you would have no way of knowing that, that this was going on. So, so for, for all of that, I, I really find Twitter is, is, is very handy. And, and, of course, like I said, the days I'm at my desk, a, a lot of what goes on for me in Twitter is in keeping in touch with colleagues and then, of course, keeping in touch with all the listeners that, that, you know, that choose to subscribe to my stream, which is twitter.com slash Dave Hamilton for those of you that, uh, that care to subscribe and john yours is oh wait you don't have one yet you know you, uh, i think i may um yay i think i may create one i'll have to the, hopefully you know there's not another john Brown out there well we'll see uh yeah i'll have i'll try to make up something that uh, that closely maps to my name and isn't isn't too bizarre or offbeat um yeah i don't know i just have a fear that i'll be overwhelmed by it but I'll, that, that i'll always be looking at Twitter to see what all the people I know are doing. And, yeah, that and, uh, is that is the the risk. There there are days when I don't launch Twitterific, which is the Twitter client I use on the Mac, and those days are more productive from a generating work output standpoint. But there is value for me, especially in 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 the Twitter thing. So it, it's productive in a in a different way potentially. So okay, but um, anyways, on to some questions that we've cooking in the, uh, or uh, I don't know, freezing. <laughs> We're thawing out some questions that have, that have been around for a while that we've wanted to get to, but haven't until now. So, um. Hello, John and Dave. This is Rafael from Puerto Rico. 
I recently switched to the Mac site about 6 months ago. Coming from Windows, one of the things I used to do on a monthly basis was defragging my hard drive. So, my question is, do I need to defrag my Mac hard drive? And is I defrag any good? Thank you. Love the show. All right, we, we, this is not a topic we've missed before. We, we've discussed it a couple of times, but it's, it, it, certainly from the switcher standpoint, it's one of those things that is worth revisiting uh, you know, occasionally. So the idea behind defragmenting your hard drive is taking, when, when you run a defragment, it goes out and finds all the files that are not sitting together. So on your hard drive, the way I... And, and, and I know John sometimes yells at me when I oversimplify things like this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, if you think about your hard drive and it's got all those bits and bytes out there, not every file, let's say one file has, is made up of 10 blocks on the hard drive. Well, not every one of those blocks is going to sit right next to each other. So if the heads of the drive have to go out and read you know, the first block in one place and then jump to another place to read the second and jump to another place to read the third and fourth and then jump to another place for the fifth. Going all over the place, it can slow things down. So uh, the idea behind defragmenting your hard drive is pulling all that stuff together so that every file shares, uh, is a neighbor, all the blocks for every file are together. Uh, And the same is true for applications. When you go to launch an app, you want all that stuff together so the drive can just read straight through and burn straight through makes it much, much faster. So that's the concept behind uh, why you would want to defrag. But uh, on the Windows side, it's far more common to do it because uh, OS X actually defragments some stuff automatically with hot files management. Uh, and, and then the other part is the way Unix works with OS X, th- there's actually a lot of arguments not to defragment the, the rest of the stuff, and, and I think, John, you were, you were, you were ready to... You're, you're, jump, you're chomping on the bit there. Well, I just wanted to offer is, uh, is that at least in XP, there is, if you, if you click on a hard drive and go for properties, and, and then I think tools, there is a defragment tool available to you in OS X. There's not. Um, and I'm with Dave, and, and yeah, to expand a little bit, the thing is, every time the head on a hard drive moves from track to track, which usually the track to track access time is in the order of milliseconds or tens of milliseconds with modern hard drives. But every time you do that, that slows you down. And especially if, uh, now the other problem, of course, is if your hard drive starts getting full and there's less space, it's almost always going to start fragmenting things because it's just fighting to find where to put that file. So so another piece of advice is, you know, don't ever get to the situation where your hard drive only has a small percentage of space left because then you're going to start, you can't help but, but spread things out. But, but as Dave also mentioned, OS X does a pretty good job of, of uh, finding files that are commonly used and, and making them contiguous. Um, and you probably shouldn't fight that. On the other hand, I've tried IDFrag. Yeah. Um, I didn't have a disaster. Though I, I'm, I'm just very wary of anything that starts picking the data up off the hard drive and putting it somewhere else because I always think there's the potential for disaster. Even though the, the, the utility may do its very best to, to not make bad things happen, I've been bit more than once uh, many years ago by defrags that went wrong, and sometimes you basically have a brick of a hard drive after after that. Or you, yeah. So do a ba- I would suggest if anything, do a backup before you run anything like a, like I defrag. Yeah, agreed, agreed. But but really, you know, I, I think I've said that if I have a Mac hard drive for more than two years, I'll defrag it. Now you got to remember, I install a lot of junk on my Mac, and even for me. 
it's not, I don't see any performance gain in defragmenting, the, the manually defragmenting. Like John said, uh, and I said, there's, there's what's called hot files management where it takes actively used files and the system defrags those on its own. Uh, doing more than that does not pay off for me uh, for, if I do it any more frequently than every two years. So, uh, and you guys know how I am with machines. So I typically have a machine for about two years and then I wipe the drive after I move to my new one and roll it to Lisa or family member or sell it to somebody like Michael Johnston, who's out here, who I, I have to go, I, I not have to, I, well, I have to go in an hour to the show floor and podcast with uh, Bill Palmer from iProng. And Michael Johnston's one of the people on the panel. He also converts most of our shows to AAC, though I can't promise that this one will be converted <laughs> because it's kind of a crazy time of year, time of week. All right. Uh, let's, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about Harold here. And we don't have the voice of Harold, but we do have the text of Harold. And he says, I used to be able to sync my iPod Nano and shuffle on my main admin account. The iPod will show up on the desktop, but not in iTunes. Syncing from a second admin account works. Well, this prompted me to bring up Activity Monitor. This revealed in my main admin account, System UI, well, he says System IO Server. There is no process that I can find called System IO Server. So I'm going to assume System UI Server was crashing almost as it started. This wasn't true with the secondary admin account. I tried quitting the server from Activity Monitor in the main admin account. It begins running but quits after a couple of seconds. Any help as to how I can fix this? All done on a 2 gigahertz iMac aluminum 20-inch running 10.5.4. Okay. Uh, so assuming we mean System UI Server... I'm going to guess system U, well, I, I'm going to guess about something, but first, system UI server, John, if I, correct me if I'm wrong, is the thing that manages the, everything to the right of the menus in the menu bar, the clock, the little dropdowns. Uh, if you have menu meters, of course, that runs inside system UI server, the little airport uh, status icon, and your, your sync icon if you have it up there. So... I'm going to guess that Harold has some bit of uh, his contacts or calendars syncing to the iPod as well as, and he says shuffle here too, which is interesting, uh, because the shuffle, you can't put contacts or calendars on. But, you know, I, I have to think if system UI server is pegging, it's doing something with that menu bar. And, you know, I'm thinking that the, the, the little sync icon up there, maybe trying to spin something maybe going on. Uh, clearly something is corrupt there in one user account that's not corrupt in another. Okay. Uh, so whatever it is, uh, what I've done in the past to clear that out is go to uh, home library preferences. And then there's a file called com.apple.systemuiserver.plist. And if you delete that file and reboot your Mac, it will rebuild that file. What that file does is it contains the list of all of the uh, menu extras, if you will, that you have in the menu there. So you may need to go back in and enable, say, the airport one or the sync one, but uh, that will rebuild it, and it's possible that file is, is corrupt or has something in there that maybe, maybe, maybe you had some old menu extra that's been deleted and it's looking for it, and uh, who knows. But, uh, but that, would be, that would be my first step. If anybody has any, any further thoughts, John, do you have any? I mean, you're shaking your head. Nope, I, I think you hit it. Yeah, sometimes a corrupted pref file, if you can find it. Sometimes the names aren't obvious. In this case, I think it is. So, uh, uh, The only thing I'd say is make a backup of a pref file before you, you destroy it. 
just in case uh, it doesn't rebuild it. But in this case, it sounds like you've tried to pay it and, and it will rebuild it for you. So uh, give it a shot. Okay. Um, one thing I noticed, I got out here to California, California, Nevada. Mm-hmm. Now, this is the first time I've taken my iPhone since I got it out of the time zone. I am someone that uses time zones in my uh, iCal calendar. Uh, when I'm planning for a show like this, I'll, I'll put the times in Pacific. And, you know, at home, of course, I put the times in, in Eastern. Well, I got out here, and I'm looking at my calendar, and everything is still in Eastern time. It's telling me my 9 a.m. appointments are at noon. And the phone is, is right. The phone has automatically picked up time. Well, apparently, uh, and this is true in a, with, a, with a different settings change, in the web app as well. If you go to Mobile Me on the web, it assumes your time zone is your home time zone. And my iPhone, out of the box anyway, was set up that my home time zone was Boston. And so it was forcing it that way. Now, it's, a, it's sort of an interesting path through, through settings. And it's totally unclear. I'm going to show you this. Um, so you go to settings on the phone, John, right? And then you scroll down to mail, contacts, and calendars. And at the bottom... Uh, under calendar, it says time zone support. Now, you have two options in here. You have on or off for time zone support, and then if it's on, you can pick the time zone. If it's off, and this is where it doesn't make any sense at all, it uses the time zone of the location of the phone. So you, it really, it's, we're turning auto time zone support. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's very, very confusing. So... If you want your calendar to track your local time zone on the phone, wherever you are, you go into this setting, and I assume this is also true about the iPod Touch, uh, and you turn time zone support off. Very bizarre. Otherwise, really what it is is forced time zone. And you turn that on and then set the time zone you want your calendar to be. This does not change anything else in the phone. The the time that appears in the phone will remain local, uh, and and then you're fine. But, uh, yeah. Very bizarre, very confusing, and were it not for searching Google, uh, frantically trying to solve this problem, I have no idea if I ever would have figured that particular thing out. Unless I just got into mode, the mode of, all right, I'm going to change all the switches and see what happens. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, very, very, very bizarre. So I don't know. Don't ask me, man. <laughs> it almost sounds like a bug. It's the wrong suit. I don't know. It, totally counterintuitive. To- totally un-Apple in, in its, yeah, that's yeah. right. Okay, um, all right, first we'll, we'll tell you how to get in touch with this, and then I'll tell you a story about a guy I met on the airplane. Uh, okay, so we have our, our phone number, right? You can call us at 206-666-GEEK, which John is? 4335. That's right. And then uh, you can email us, feedback at macgeekgab.com is the best way to reach John and I for questions about the show or questions about the show, comments about the show, questions for the show, uh, feedback about the show. That's the, that's the address. Feedback at MacGeekGab.com. We have a Skype account at MacGeekGab. And then we also have uh, my Twitter account. And, you know, if I, I didn't have to make it to this thing, what I would do is pause the recording and make you go set up your Twitter account now, and then we could tell all the listeners what that is. We'll, we'll do it next week. Okay. All right. Uh, so mine is uh, Twitter.com slash Dave Hamilton. And on the plane... My flight from Dallas to uh, my flight from Boston to Dallas was no problem at all. The times were great. I think we even landed a little early. Get on the plane from Dallas to Vegas. Everything looks good. The weather's great. No problem. 
maintenance guys milling around on the plane. This is bad. Very bad. Apparently, and those of you that follow me on Twitter saw this, some problem with the lavatory, and then there was some electrical problem, yada, 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 two hours on the tarmac. I was sitting next to a very, very interesting gentleman uh, who happened to have a MacBook Air. And we were talking about our businesses. He, he owns a couple of businesses, as do I, and, and we were just talking about this. And, I, and during the course of the conversation, I just said to him, I said, how do you, you, know, how do you like the air? And he says, oh, it's good. You know, the, the, the IT guys uh, at my company uh, weren't happy about me getting this because, you know, they don't want to have to support it. And, uh, and he said, you know, and I basically got it working. And he, he talked about a couple of things. One that he complained about was he couldn't right-click with, uh, with the MacBook Air, which, of course, you can. Uh, and I showed him how to do that, right, with the double tap. And we went into his settings and, and set that up for him. So he was very happy about that. And, and you know, he was very so thankful uh, to have, you know, me providing all this help for him, which, of course, I was happy to do because, A, I enjoy it, and, B, what the heck else was I going to do for five hours, you know, the two on the ground and three in the air? So uh, he did have a couple of questions that I could not answer in the air. One is that he has an MSN email account and uses Entourage to connect to it. But the problem is when he's offline, i.e. in the air on the airplane, and wants to go and manage through all of his emails, he can't. It basically, he can see everything, but he can't move emails from, to different folders. He can't delete them. If he reads a message that's marked, currently marked unread, it stays that way. It, it's like the only, it, there's no caching that it can then sync back up to the server. It, it's like a very a very poor implementation of IMAP. So if anyone knows the answer to that, uh, let me know here at the show, and, uh, and I'll happily pass it along to, uh, to him. The other thing he asked, which I thought was the perfect question for John, was he said, you know, on Windows, I knew all my keyboard shortcuts. He says, how do I find all my keyboard shortcuts on the Mac? That's a fantastic question. Um, <laughs> no, I know the answer. Um, though I want to bring up one thing that I noticed, Dave, about the show in general. Speaking of Mac, so I did see one person when I was in one conference session with an Air. For the most part, I would say the vast majority of people have the MacBook Pro. Yeah. Um, some have the regular MacBook. But I got to say, in some sessions, I did an informal count. I would, uh, I would say about 95%. I'm not kidding. I counted in one room, the number of computers and the number of PCs. 95% of the people of the show are using Apple computers, which is way disproportionate to their market share, which although it's creeping up, slowly but surely, I mean, that... that is just amazing. And, and uh, it, it didn't strike me um, at the last show. I saw more PCs at the last show. So um, good deal. But anyways, so the place you want to look for this is, um, you know, and it acknowledges the poor soul or intern or whoever that has to write the Apple help, is that you go to, um, within the Finder, let me just make sure that I'm getting this right here. So in the Finder, you go to Help, and then you get a little search box, and you type in Keyboard Shortcut. And we're doing it live right now because I think they, they, they subtly change these in, the, in the, every system update. And you'll have some topics about keyboard and other shortcuts. And actually, this looks new, is that they break it out, shortcuts for system basics, shortcuts for system features, shortcuts for files and folders, so on and so forth. But the Apple help does an excellent job of telling you about all the shortcuts. Um, but there are a couple that they don't list. Uh, but for the most part, that's the place to go. Awesome. I will, I will pass that along to him as well. And maybe we'll even make a listener out of him. Um, all right. I think we have one more thing to talk about. And then uh, we'll see if we can upload this show at some point between, you know, the, the downstream here at the hotel actually is fine. The upstream is 
very slow and lots of packet loss. I've noticed I can't sync uh, mobile me reliably and, and, and I don't think that's mobile me's fault. Surprising as that may sound. Uh, and then I, I, I Skyped with my brother this morning and I noticed our packet loss was sitting at about 14%. Yeah. Yeah. So Although the audio quality was pretty good, but I'm still happy that we're not having to fight with Skype and we're able to just do this uh, sitting here. But uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about a uh, man who had called in for his friend who works as a nurse at a hospital and wants to run, needs to run Firefox in order to connect to me.com and see your calendars because Internet Explorer, which is the only thing uh, on that machine, didn't work. And she would occasionally download Safari or Firefox, and then every few days, IT would come and take it off. Well, because it's a Windows machine, we got a lot of comments, uh, and Jonathan summarizes them nicely here. Hey, John and Dave. Jonathan here. Just got done listening to the, the, the last Maggie Gab about the, uh, the nurse who couldn't install or Safari wasn't working for um, it, probably the best thing is is to not to make IT mad. So since those are Windows Agreed. PCs, she can go out to portableapps.com, download a portable version of Firefox, put that on a USB key, and then take that with her. She can launch MobileMe from uh, from the mobile Firefox, keep her uh, bookmarks and everything else, and she should be all set. Hope that helps. Have a good one. Thank you, Jonathan. I, th- I think it's a great idea, and thank you everyone who who sent that in too. I'm going to say assuming. Now, I'm, I'm going to gather that this IT group is not... Um, let me back up here. There are products that will disable USB ports on computers. Um, I've seen a couple at some of the shows we've gone to. There are some, uh, uh, quite a few, I think, on the PC, um, some on the Mac. Um, I'm hoping they don't do that. But it also makes me think about what a, a potential massive security hole these flash drives are. And I actually heard one story, a very quick story here, and then we can move on. But it was actually a group of, of they have these groups known as Tiger Teams. And I guess what they do is that they are, they are asked to try to penetrate the security of a, of a, of a company or government, whatever. Um, and they had this one group. They were so clever. Here's what they did. They didn't even have to break into the building. They went into the lobby of this building. And on a table or something, they put a bowl of flash drives and put, like, free... And what happened is people picked up the flash drives, and you guessed it, there was a, uh, I guess, a virus or a Trojan on the flash drive. And I think typically Windows will auto-launch apps if, if a disk is set up to do such, unless you disable auto-launch. So what happened is the first, I don't know if I'd say sucker, yeah, I'll say sucker, <laughs> who took the free drive and plugged it into the computer, created a nice little hole for these people. And it was a beautiful piece of social engineering, because who wouldn't take a free flash drive? So... Um, just thought I'd tell that little story because I, I thought it was a very clever attack where they, they didn't even have to do anything unethical like, you know, try to sneak into the building. That is awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. Okay, uh, I think it's time to try and bring the band in here. And hopefully this recording is working as well as it sounds like it's working to us because we're not monitoring. Normally, in my earphones, I hear essentially the third head, right? So... Uh, I'm hearing what's already been recorded on a very, very slight delay. I'm I'm not doing that this time, Um, and so I hope the uh, recording sounds good. This probably, we're recording this at, uh, it's what, 1021 Pacific time on Friday the 15th. Hopefully, I will get this uploaded and to the site at some point before the end of the day today, but it's not going to go up right now because 
I need to take the uh, the the snaking skyway hallway ish thing over to the new media expo. First, I need to give our backbeat media banner to Brian Ibbett so that it appears at the Coverville 500 party tonight, which uh, Backbeat Media is sponsoring, among many others. And forward to that. And then I need to bounce over to the iProng booth where the Orange County podcasters are, of course, helping Bill and working together with him. And we'll do this panel with Victor Kahiao, Ken Ray, Michael Johnston, Adam Christensen, me, and, uh, and Bill Palmer. So. We only have an hour for that, so i got to make sure I make it there in time. Uh, let's look at where we are here. Right. I've, uh, I've caught myself because I can't move around and find my show notes. Okay, so uh, we talked about iPhone Alley. We've uh, very happily uh, continued to use Cashfly hosting to provide all the bandwidth for you folks. Anybody needs bandwidth, distributed Distributed uh, cash, uh, cash, yeah. If you, if you if you need edge 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 served content, uh, Cashfly is the place to go. So uh, the podcast marketplace includes a five and eight two desktop speakers from Audio Engine, BB Edit from Barebones Software, twenty percent off from Smile on My Mac until the end of August at smileonmymac.com/geek, and uh, of course Notebook from Circus Ponies, which we're very happy about. Uh, I think that's it, John. I think we can uh, we can we can try and sort of kind of move on here. Get uh, get over to the show. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for uh, thanks for staying subscribed. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to write or call. Yeah, or uh, or Twitter. No, no, no. Uh, all right. But whatever you do, you know, uh, don't get caught. Made up.